0: In
1: our 20s, people expect us to have things figured out. Us too. A well-paying job, getting closer to marriage, making new friends, and exploring the world. Lots of definitive moments happen in your 20s. But
0: what if we move to the other side of the world? And what if we put our
1: dreams first? I'm Mai, I'm Belle, and in this podcast, we share thoughts about things that have defined our early 20s, important moments in life, and how we create our path to our
0: late 20s. Welcome to the M22 podcast. Hello, Twenties fan! Welcome to our sixth episode. Today we had a different setup, totally different setup. We had lots of cameras today because we had
2: our first guest, Laura. Can you introduce yourself, please? Hi, my name is Laura K. I come from Copenhagen, Denmark. Study with you guys here at Berkeley. I don't know what do you want to know. Okay, well,
0: Maya and I had lots of questions because we know you had a huge trajectory in in the music industry compared to us. You started really early, and well, we want to get. The first thing we want to know actually is how you came up into the music industry. How did you
2: realize you wanted to work on it, be part of it? So, my history with music goes really far back. Like, I started playing music when I was like six, played violin for many years, then started playing piano, then started playing saxophone, and just been like playing a lot, but always also kind of knew that I didn't want to be a professional musician. So, when I was around 10, I saw this like documentary about music. I don't remember exactly what it was about, but it kind of left me with this dream of running my own record label. So like I've kind of wanted that since I was 10, even though I didn't really actually know what it was, but like that's kind of when the dream for me started to work with music. Then when I was like 16, I went to a huge festival in Denmark called Roskilde Festival and just had like the most mind-blowing experience and kind of left there thinking like this is what I need to do for sure like I need to work with music and then from there I like uh, studied musicology first at the university in Copenhagen and then went on to do a music management degree at the conservatory in Copenhagen yeah and then kind of got into the industry that way
1: yeah that's very cool well you're on the 22 podcast so we're all curious about what were you doing when you were in your 20s what kind of decisions did you make when you were at that age and
2: how has that impacted the choices that you make now? So maybe to begin with, I should say that I'm 35 now and my 20s, what did I do? So I did a lot of things, did a lot of stuff. I finished, two, like I said, two bachelor's degrees. I um, did a couple of internships. I did like countless different projects. I was working on so many different things all at the same time, like all the time. I lived in three different countries. Yeah, I think just like trying to kind of find my way by trying out different things and figuring out what I liked. You said you had two degrees.
0: How did you come up to this decision that you wanted to have too? I know like lots of people finish their degree and it's like, I don't want to study anymore. I want to go straight to work. And that's not our case. And that's something we have in common. So how do you came up to the idea you wanted to go through musicology and have another degree after that and then this master's degree?
2: So I think actually from the beginning, I wanted to study music management. But at the time, like that, it's it's like a program that's pretty hard to get into in Copenhagen. They only let in like six or seven students each year. And at the time, you had to have like a lot of industry experience to get in, which I didn't have because I was like 19. So... My dad was actually like, hey, there's something called musicology. Like, maybe you could do that instead. And I was like, sounds like a good idea. Like, it's still music. I could learn a lot about music. So went there and actually, honestly, ended up really loving it. I, like, learned a ton about music, music history, music theory, played a lot of music. And then when I was done with that, I'd also done, like, kind of projects on the side in the industry That made it possible for me to then apply to this other bachelor's degree in music management and and got in. And it was like really three amazing years with music management.
1: Yeah, that's super cool because your background is like actually being a musician, right? So you played a lot of instruments and you also did like a deeper dive into it through like more musicology route so having that skill set of being a performer and now onto the business side how do you think that experience has helped you when you're talking with artists when you're doing management and now potentially starting your own record label how has that helped you honestly
2: i feel like uh knowing kind of both sides of like the industry knowing the the music and what it's like to be a musician and a performer and also knowing the industry and the business side of it, I think it's just a huge gift. Like I think the fact that I know about music and music history, music theory, just understand music on a deeper level. I think that that is really valuable when working with that kind of admin side of of music. And And you can be like an amazing music industry professional and not have that knowledge. But for me, it's been like just a really great extra layer to kind of add to it. And I also think like I've previously worked with like label management. And I think doing like A&R work and working with artists in general. It's just easier to build trust when you have that like knowledge of music and artists can talk to you as like an equal. You're being their friend first and you talk about music which is
1: the thing that connects you two together and then you talk about how you can help them, support them and you know the things that they don't know about which is like all this finance stuff, legal stuff, so
2: probably very helpful. Exactly. And like building strategies and plans and everything kind of with the knowledge of the music and like where that needs to go. So for me, it's been it's been just a a gift for sure.
0: I feel like there is a difference between because we had these business books we had like, oh, you need to know about music business and how to make it in the new music business. And one is only from the business side Mm -hmm. and the other one is in the point of view of a musician. So it's so easy to read the one that has the point of view of a musician because it connects to you easily. And I feel like having a music background as a musician is really important when you want to start like your own company or your record label because there's like another level of understanding that you were saying and that's something that I consider is really, really important. So what was your 20s like? How was this? Like you said you lived in three countries, three different countries. How did you decide to live in this? Which ones there were? And what were your experience? Which one was like the place you wanted to stay the more and that helped you the
2: more develop your career by now? So the first kind of, country that i lived in outside of denmark was france and it was actually like when i was almost done with my musicology degree and i had just like hit a wall of like didn't want to study didn't want to do anything just kind of needed to get away and like a friend of mine and me had been talking about doing this like season in the alps skiing so we did it so we applied for a job at a danish bar in d'Isère in france and just left for six months so it was kind of a break more than it was like a career thing for me actually it was just like I was working at a bar I was playing like après ski music at the bar as well and then just skiing every day but it was it was really nice and like I think it wasn't a career thing for me but it was like a reset that I really needed at the time and also just kind of gave me a taste for going abroad and like living in a different country and then the next time I went abroad was a few years later, first time when I was actually studying music management, we had to do a an internship, and I just really wanted to go to New York. Everybody was saying, like, it's going to be impossible, but I was like, I'm going to give it my best. Ended up, like, through this friend of mine landing this internship at a, a venue that was about to open in Williamsburg, in Brooklyn, in New York, and just went there for six months to begin with, and it was the most amazing experience, and I just loved that city so much. Still love it so much. It just felt very at home and also felt like, It was such a crazy industry there, and like the music that I wanted to work with was like still is, kind of contemporary composed music, jazz, like more alternative kind of art music. And the scene, the scenes for that in New York are just massive, and so like the the level of talent is so high. So so that was that was just amazing. Then I went back, finished my degree, and then I went back to New York again and stayed for like two years and worked at a record label. So that. I think the second time around in New York, I got like a real job at this label that was like one of my favorite labels at, you know, ever and kind of worked my way up, ended up being label manager. So I think that is like probably the peak so far of like my career. It was like the most fun job I've ever had and, and the one where I felt like everything I had been doing had kind of been leading to that.
1: That's really cool because I remember in a we took the same A&R class last semester and you would here and there just be like oh I worked on this album I helped a for this artist and it's really interesting for me to listen to the type of music that you vibe with because mm-hmm. it's not something I listen to necessarily So it was really nice to hear your perspective. I'm curious if you could share like anything with our listeners. What was an album that you worked on that you really, really, you know, believed in the artist and it came out in the product? It was well received. Like, was there a special album
2: like that for you? I mean, I think one of the last albums that I was part of, but I don't think I can really take that much credit for it. But it was still very interesting and cool being part of the process was this album with an american composer called caroline shaw she's a composer violinist singer all around just magic human being and musician like artist and she wrote an album that was performed by string quartet called Attacker quartet and it was like co-released with the record um label that i was working with new amsterdam records and Nonsuch records was just like a Warner sub label and ended up winning a Grammy. I think I'm that was one of the ones yeah. I mentioned in the A and R class. It's just a really beautiful album. Caroline Shaw is an amazing composer. And just like that whole process of being this small indie label and working with Nonsuch, which is also like a label that I admire a lot. That whole process was was really cool and something that I'm definitely proud of having been part of. But again, I'm not gonna like <laughs> yeah. take too much credit for it, but I was it was nice being part of it. I need to say, guys, that something that I admire about
0: Laura is that she works in so many things as Mai and I do. We've been talking about this for so many episodes, Laura, like are finding like a balance, trying to find it because we feel like sometimes we're there and it's hard just to keep it like a routine. You know, when you're working in several projects, when you're in a different country, especially, well, you both had that experience of just moving from different places. This is my first time out of my country. So I think like it's it's totally different. But what can you say in this sense of like finding a balance with your work and with your lifestyle? Because it's hard for us nowadays. We've been talking that we're in midterms actually this week. So yeah, we're really busy and it's hard sometimes to put ourselves like our health first and trying to have a healthy lifestyle in general. How was
2: that for you? Honestly, when I was in my 20s, I don't think I had a healthy balance of anything. I feel like it has taken me and I think I actually said this to Mai recently, like, It's taken me a really long time to learn to say no and to learn to be like, I don't need to do everything all at once Mm -hmm. for me to like have succeeded. You know what I mean? Or I don't know how to phrase it, but like, I think for a very long time, I felt like I had to say yes to every opportunity and I had to like be the best at everything all the time. And you just can't. And honestly, like I was just talking about going to France for six months when I was like twenty. I think it was for me that was like I'm overwhelmed doing too many things I need like a reset I need to like kind of stop everything take a breather (laughs) start over and like rebuild it in a more sustainable way I do think that that's important and I think it is hard when you're young and you're learning and especially if you're ambitious and driven which all of us are so yeah I don't know I feel like for me it's just something that comes with age. Probably. Like, <laughs> opportunities, yeah. I guess, in the rush of like getting
0: to where you want to get as soon as possible. How do you feel that that has changed now that you are in your 30s? Do you feel like you find a balance now in your lifestyle? Does it get easier for you nowadays? I think
2: so. But also like I have a three year old kid and that is like the most grounding experience I have ever had. Because it's like when you have somebody else that you have to take care of. That really like forces you to prioritize and to kind of be present in what you're doing. So I think that was a big thing for me as well. And yeah, I do feel like now it's so much easier for me to say no and not have like FOMO. And also to be like, I know that I can't do everything well. So it's like if I say yes to too many things, it's not going to be good And it's more important for me, actually, that what I do is good. So it's like if I do something now, I I don't like start a project that I don't believe is going to be as good as I want it to be. And I think that's something that's changed for me. I mean, now you have your
1: son and essentially you have to build your family on your own as well. I feel like it's a different mindset that you have towards life and towards opportunities. And in a way, you're creating a lot of those opportunities by yourself. I feel like we are all doing that so i struggle a lot with saying no because it's been a while for me to get a lot of these opportunities i come from a family that you know we're not super rich or anything my parents are really hardworking people and i've always had in my mind that i should work hard like them or even more so that i can support them and everyone that i want to support and i think that's ingrained in my mind to always be pushing forward and taking all opportunities But at a certain point, it's burnout. You don't have time for yourself. You don't have time for anything. And that's when I slowly realized like, okay, you can and you should be saying no to things that does not fit whatever state you're in in your life right now. So it's like a work in progress. It took you a
2: few years or... And I'm not saying I've mastered it completely, but I do feel like I'm not drowning in projects like I have been for many years. We need to learn from her. (laughs) We need to
0: learn from him. (laughs) God. (laughs) So... So talking about like the balance and all this stuff, taking opportunities, because it's also a topic we talked last year, like when should we be open to take these opportunities? Because some of them are just like there for us to evaluate if, we're, if we want to get there or not. Sometimes we have pressure on ourselves in a sense of not taking it because we don't feel confident enough. Mm. So we were talking last week about just pushing ourselves to do it and get a no if we are meant to get a no, but not not ourselves. So how did you deal with, with that uh, before? And now taking opportunities because it's job opportunities, especially because we, we talk about projects. Sometimes it's easier for us to say no to projects. But when it's about finding a job and getting the right job and what you deserve and telling yourself that that's probably not something you deserve
2: or like getting into this choice. I think like I've had a lot of different jobs and I am learning or I have learned and I feel like now I'm at a point. But again, it took me some time. Like now I feel like I know what I'm good at. I also know what I'm not great at. And I know like what kind of drives me and what doesn't. For me, like looking for jobs now, for example, it's like I I think I just have a much clearer idea of like what I want to do. And I can read a job listing and be like, this sounds really interesting, but not for me. Or like I would not be great at this or i would not find this interesting in the long run so kind of just getting to know yourself better i guess and then using that to be like to make smart decisions that again are going to be like sustainable in the long run like it's so easy to say and it's really hard to do but i think yeah i feel like i just know myself a lot better now than i did like 10 years ago for example which helped
0: and that's part of making mistakes in our own
2: decisions and just learning where we want to be and also like making mistakes i don't know like I think one of the questions you actually sent to me before this podcast was like if I if I if, if there was anything I wanted to do differently like looking back and honestly no because I feel like yeah I've made some mistakes yeah I can like reflect on the choices I've made and see that every choice you make has like consequences good and bad but I'm also like I don't know I know that I make very conscious decisions about things and like if I feel like I have to do something then it's not really an option not to do it. So it's like looking back, it's like, well, yeah, ideally, maybe things could have gone differently. But would I want that? Like, no, I don't. I wouldn't. So it's like, I don't think really that there I don't feel like I've made any huge mistake.
0: That's great. It's part of like the life philosophy we've been talking about Mm -hmm. too. I feel like there's many ways and it's all about perspective Mm -hmm. because sometimes we are like really hard on ourselves and we punish ourselves too. And that's not healthy. Like we are worst enemies sometimes, especially like when we're young. And it's really nice to get conscious of what we're doing. And like a couple of years later, a couple of months later, we realize things happen for a reason. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing you would change because it leads you toward where you are now. So just like making a reflection on your history and realizing this, being conscious of this is
2: healthy. And it's also a positive way to vibe around. <laughs> and also like not comparing yourself with other people. Which is something that I find myself doing sometimes, and like again at the age where I'm at now, like some of my friends from like high school, for example, they're like a very different place than I am. Like a lot of them have a house and a couple of kids, and like they've been in their job for a long time, and maybe they've advanced like in that job. I just I don't have that life because I chose to like live in different countries and like take these different educate you know degrees and like yeah. do these different things, kind of take more chances, I guess. And it's like. Sometimes I'm like, maybe maybe I should have done it differently. But again, I'm like, do I want that life? Not really. So it's like, why am I comparing myself to them? But I still do it. And I think everybody does that. And it's like very human. But I think it like it kinda like it takes courage to go your own way and like do things how you want them to be done and like not be so afraid of like veering from the path. I think that was a mic drop right there
1: (laughs) for you guys. I wish you guys could see how cool this is, but we're all from three different countries. And at Berkeley, there's so many people mm-hmm. from everywhere. So to actually be in this space together is such a blessing. And, you know, we're really grateful to have you here. One of the topics that we talk about a lot is where we come from. So mm-hmm. our upbringing and how that has helped us to be who we are today and our values. Because for me, my parents and my family are incredibly important. They're not musicians, but I got so much from them not being musicians. They taught me so much about how you can enjoy music without actually knowing what it means. So I'm curious about like how your upbringing and how your parents have taught you lessons,
2: and how has that really impacted your life? Um, My parents also aren't musicians, and actually, I remember my dad a couple of years being like, "How did you end up with music?" Like he's still like puzzled about it because like where did that come from? But no, my parents were actually like they met because they were both sailors, and like right before they had me, they did this like round the world boat race together oh my god very cool um called it's today it's called volvo ocean race and it is like you sail in a sailboat around the world that was them and like that was a lot of my childhood as well like them sailing my dad was actually doing it as as his job and they were just sailing a lot we've been on tons of like sailing vacations as a kid i get very seasick very quickly i was never like it was never going to be my road but like it's it's very different from music but i will say that like i think what they gave me maybe what you were saying too is like the appreciation of something that you care really deeply about and like for them it was sailing for me it's music but like kind of um diving into like a community and a hobby that you just really care about um and then i think like again they never really understood i think why i wanted to work with music and like where that came from But they were also at the same time very supportive and they were just like, you can do whatever you want, like as long as you put everything into it and do it as well as you can, which I really like. So it's like, it's, you know, you can't force somebody to have a passion that they don't, but you can encourage them to go after the passion that they have themselves. But other than that, I think I grew up pretty in like a regular middle class family. My parents got divorced. My dad remarried and I got like three extra siblings on top of like the one I had so I have now I have like four younger siblings and have always very much felt like a big sister and I kind of feel like I bring that energy everywhere yeah (laughs) Yeah. Uh, it's like it's like something that I can't escape but I also don't mind it
0: yeah at home I'm like a big sister yeah but here a little little (laughs) baby which is a good dynamic I feel like when we in our families are the ones that start with the music industry, it spreads easily. Mm -hmm. Like this week, actually, I received some videos from my little cousins that they bought a piano and they're taking it really seriously. And now they want to get into a conservatory. And it's so beautiful because when they're like really, really little toddlers, I sit them on my piano when they visit my place and and try to to see if they liked it, you know. And now seeing that they're into it, it's something really beautiful. And well, it's hard to understand for our parents, I guess, sometimes. I remember me struggling a little bit during the pandemic because my parents didn't understand like what was I working on, especially if they're not in the same industry. This is totally normal. And sometimes we forget about that when we're like kind of stressed that they don't actually understand. But once you open up and they had a time, in my case was the pandemic, when they realized like everything I was doing and I had the time to explain and they could see it because I always said like your work speaks for yourself. Like I don't like to just brag about my work. It's just it speaks for myself, like as my face speaks for how I'm feeling. (laughs) because <laughs> I'm really transparent, I can hide it. So yeah, I feel like that's something really, really nice. But there's another topic that I feel like it's there too, because we come from different countries and the music industry is tough, especially as a woman. And I remember that when I got like my first volunteering team festivals, I could see sometimes that there were some differences. And it's kind of difficult because we've been advancing few baby steps, but it's still quite difficult in some countries more than others so i wanted to know how's your experience uh, back then and now as a woman in the music
2: industry i think i have different kind of angles again like as a musician like performing music um i play saxophone mostly like that's what i've mostly done like in my 20s and whenever i showed up and had to play somewhere people would always assume that i was the singer which is nothing wrong with but it's just like stereotyping or somebody's girlfriend Which just annoyed me so much. And the same thing kind of happened. I've done a lot of like festival work and like set up concerts. And like I had a big band for a while. I like curated this jazz club series for a while where I would like run things, but people would still assume that I was somebody's girlfriend. But I think it's the combination of being a woman and also being young that people just don't get that it's like they look at you and they just assume that you're not capable. And actually, I remember like when I turned 30, I was like, okay, I'm 30 now, like I'm, I don't know, like in the eyes of society, I'm like a proper grown-up now. And like somehow it was like empowering, to. Be, <laughs> but it's, it's silly because it shouldn't be like that. But I just remember being like, okay, now I actually can can say that I'm not like I have been working with this for a while and like I know my stuff. I think it's the age thing. I think that was the combination for me in a way of like the age and your the gender that was the hardest for me when I was like younger because I just feel like people didn't take me seriously. Apart from that, I mean I guess we've probably all had like bad experiences with like sexism and people treating you badly and all these things that you know every woman has um, experienced and th- and that's very present in the music industry as well. But I think I've also been fortunate and I've also kind of sought out women led workplaces and, and initiatives. So like for example, the first internship I did in New York, what like really sold me on it was the fact that it was led by this group of women. And it was just so refreshing to see this like new venue being built up and being led by this like really badass group of women. And that also, I mean We talk a lot about representation and some people say it doesn't matter, but it does. It just does. Like when you see a woman in like a leadership position, it makes you realize like deep in your bones, like that could be me too. I could do that. I could lead a venue. I've had tons of like bad experiences, but I've also had some really great experiences being a woman. And I feel like there's also like, if you flip it around, I feel like a lot of women are actually good at taking care of each other in this industry.
0: Yeah, it's really nice to see. Sometimes because I feel like in the musician part, because we've been all going through that. Yeah, it's always after a while and it continues.
2: So I think one interesting like experience that I've had a couple of times is that the old kind of structures of the industry where it was like these grown up uh, or like old white dudes basically running the show. Right. I mean, like those structures are crumbling. And I think that's making a lot of these men scared of the future. And I feel like I've had a lot of experiences with men feeling the need to kind of passively tell me that they're older than me and that they know more than me in like a weird, passive aggressive way. I've had like a lot of these experiences where it's not direct. They're not like saying to your face that you're not capable or, you know not good at your job but they're just like kind of subtly letting you know that like oh yeah like I danced at this club before you were even born and it's like you don't even know when I was born and and what's the point or like but it's just like I don't know I just see it as like being threatened of like what is coming you know which is women are entering women are you know educating themselves like never before women are entering the music industry and like you know taking over it's like a Danish musician, she she said it in a really good way. She's like, there's a comet coming, and if you're a dinosaur, you're going to die.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Passive-aggressive, guys. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I think it's really, it's really different when you're, a, 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 as a musician, it is more common, because I remember when I was a kid going to piano cl- lessons and guitar, it was really balanced. But boom, I got into the music production major and I was one of the six women there. And I could feel like some professors or like when you were trying to get an internship or it was just man driving and few women in the industry, but also few opportunity for you to really learn how to engineering. I'm so happy that here in Berkeley, honestly, there we are surrounded by women in, in the studios. That's something really beautiful. But as you were mentioning, I just came up to a memory too. I remember in 2019, I went to a studio. Uh, I was making some events for the council, uh, a student council of the, the major and there was this guy and I, I sat with him because he was uh, the like the boss of the studio, a big studio in Monterey, like one of the prin- uh, main. And he was like, why are you studying music production? And I was like, well, I want to start my career this way and then I'm, I'll pursue like a master's degree in music business and just combine everything and understand the whole industry. You're sending your money to the trash. It's not worth it. Like I learned here. You need to come here and learn here, not not at the school. school. Like, mm-hmm. And I was just like, well, that's old school. Like, you know, like now we have the majors. Now we had tons of schools because we are changing how the industry works. It's not all about hands in. It's just it's supposed to be a balance. But also, like, as you were mentioning, like passive aggressive comments like, yeah, what would I come and do? You, you won't, wouldn't let me do anything. Bring you coffee. Bring you all guys coffee because all of them were men, you know. I was like, this is not something that we should approach and he was trying to be intimidating but honestly like when you are surrounded by a lot of men in a good way because I have my boy gang back at home and I love that (laughs) because they're protective so they always come and help you know but yeah it's just so annoying because if you are like more soft or if you're like more sensitive it does hit you and maybe it's for some people it's like okay I'm staying away from the industry maybe it's not for me you know. So what would you recommend in this sense of being like tough or like seeing it in a positive way for you to like go ahead, even if it might be like obstacles or it might hurt you like
2: emotionally, you know? For me, I'm like, I think my general approach to stuff like that is like kill them with kindness. I don't sink to their level. Do you know what I mean? Because I've had people tell me that too. Like, don't believe like you don't believe that you're going to get, you know, a career in the music industry just by having a degree. And it's like, I'm not. That's not what I'm thinking at all. But for me, it's like a way of learning and, you know, acquiring some tools and like a skill set that I can go out and, you know, work in the industry with. I think like subtly slipping in what you've actually done and what your ambitions are as a kind of like just showing them that you are capable and that you do earn a spot there just as much as anybody else. But I think also more in general, like I think one of my goals with working in the industry is like helping making the music industry like a friendlier more open more diverse place in all kinds of different ways but being like it doesn't have to be a competition it doesn't have to be like we don't have to fight against each other and especially again as women because I also remember when I like when I applied to the music management program in Copenhagen I was told by everybody like the people you're competing with are the other women and I was like that's bullshit but maybe also kind of true And like, I was also, we were seven students, and I was the only woman, which created a lot of like awkward situations. But I think like owning your spot and being like, I'm just as capable as all you guys. And like, I'm gonna do amazing things, but I'm gonna do it my way. And it's gonna be friendly.
1: It's so interesting because last week I also said the same thing when we talk about networking and whatnot. I also said it's not a competition. And I just wanted to add a little bit to that representation piece, not just women, but people of color. For me, being an Asian, it's been incredibly tough to just be seen because we're stereotyped a certain way. And even, you know, back at home, obviously, different generations have different mindsets, right? So my grandparents, in a way, they're still quite traditional. And so they always wonder, you know, why you're so smart? Like, why don't you become a doctor? You can help and save all of us. And it's true. Like, I think being a doctor or being a lawyer or any of that is such an honorable job to have. But for me, my passion was never there and my passion was always like being a creative person and helping others with their yes like spiritual life mm-hmm. that's how i would say like music for me is really uplifting my spirituality so i've always believed in that but i feel like especially with you know the asian community um you guys have to speak up like it's just really important like the more we see of you the more the world knows about us and each of us like we're not just for me i often get yeah derogatory mm-hmm. comments about like oh i look chinese are you chinese or like things like that when i walk down the streets And at first I used to be really pissed and I would kind of snap back at them. But now I just don't really care. But I think there needs to be more people in the music industry who look like me and who represent people from our culture because there's so many countries. It's not just China, not just Korea, Japan. There's like so much talent coming from that market. So I guess my question is, how do you see these emerging markets? against like Western markets? Do you think there is a space for us? And how can people who are interested in entering the music industry start? Right.
2: I think first of all, like when you asked me about like being a woman in the industry, I'm like, yes, I'm a woman, but I'm also like white and from a, you know, Northern European country. And I actually feel like I'm very privileged. And I like want to keep reminding myself of that privilege because I think that's part of the problem that people don't you know they're blind to their own privileges and honestly like some of my Asian friends or friends with like an Asian background some of the stories they tell especially like after the COVID-19 pandemic and all that it's just horrifying like what people go through and people get yelled at on the street and all this stuff um so yeah I do think it's the same kind of thing it's the representation thing it's like you seeing other you know, Asian people or Asian women um, in the industry that makes you realize, okay, I can do this too, but also other people seeing it. You know what I mean? Like also everybody else being like, oh, okay, there's like an Asian woman rocking it. Like And like the emerging markets part, honestly, like being at Berkeley has really opened my eyes so much. I never really knew anybody from like Thailand and from, well, I do know somebody from Vietnam, but China, uh, some of these like Asian countries that are represented in our program and like kind of meeting people from there and hearing about their like you guys experiences from these like different markets has been so interesting to me and has made me like want to explore the possibilities that there are like outside of the Western markets because honestly I don't it's so interesting because it's such a big focus here at Berkeley we talk about it a lot which is really good But it's not my experience that it's talked a lot about, like, in the markets that I've worked in. I don't, like, sometimes in, like, in terms of, like, export and stuff like that, not in the same way as it is here. And I I think it should be. So I think that's also one of the things that I'm hoping to take with me from here, from Berkeley, is, like, helping kind of make people aware that there's, like, amazing music markets in India, in, like, Ghana in Latin American countries and like all these different places and like that they might have different infrastructures than the Western markets and they might work in different ways, but that doesn't mean that they're less interesting or less valuable. I think
1: it's really about being open. Do some research before you talk to people and being open about learning about different cultures, listening to music that's not your language that you won't understand and just, you know, just appreciate it. Obviously, you won't like every music that's out there. And it's really hard to connect if you don't understand the language, especially. But it's a universal language. And as long as there is communication, there is interconnectivity, there's globalization, you're eventually going to, the world is going to be more diverse if people open up more, if people are willing to care for others and are just hashtag peace right you know let's let's all be peaceful and be harmonious I think that's what I feel like music should be like a place where people can really be themselves really express themselves and be proud of their culture
0: I want to add like a comment of of each of us in terms of how to support in our areas uh, I'm gonna start like with the part of being an independent artist because I think that's like a, a part How to support an independent artist, especially now that it's Women's Month, I'm going to specifically talk about women. If one of your friends is a singer-songwriter and is releasing music, it doesn't cost you anything to share her music or his music, you know? Small things make big differences, especially because nowadays, as you know, the SP sometimes doesn't pay like what artists should be paid, and social media sometimes helps a lot for them to maintain their careers so share their music share their projects there is no way that we can actually compare to other women there, there shouldn't be in a negative way it should be in a way of if she can make it i can make it too and if you don't have that mindset there is no way you're gonna make it like honestly the best way is to build a network that is shared to share our projects to be part of a community and change the industry building this women community as a support group there's no other way so i'm just like giving these tips in the sense of being an independent artist
2: but what about you girls being working in the industry in the music industry in any capacity i think you need to educate yourself like i think you need to consciously and like proactively educate yourself so like last spring i think it must have been before i started berkeley i for example followed this like i think it was like over two or three months this like um educational um, program about diversity and like gender balance and other just like balance in general in the industry and it was really interesting and actually like a lot of kind of big personalities from the danish music industry participated in it which was really cool and it was like a combination of people coming and doing like talks about different subjects we had to do like group assignments and like kind of group um What do you say, like uh, projects together and just like learning about how to be, I think they called it an agent of change. So how to like, you know, educate yourself, but also be somebody who can help others understand like how to be more inclusive, how to be less, like how to be aware of like your bias, how to work with all these different things in constructive ways. And I think everybody needs to do that because the thing is, even if you see yourself as like an open, you know, welcoming, inclusive person everybody has biases like everybody does everybody can see you know a person from you know another culture and have you know prejudice or stereotypes in their mind even and that doesn't mean you're a bad person it just means you're a human like everybody has that and I think just working with yourself to kind of recognize what your biases are and how you can work with them in a way to become more inclusive I think that's really important
0: that's great Thank you, Laura. What about you, Mike? What are some uh, tips or advice you can give now, like to support the industry? Now that it's a women's month, like there are some things we want to change and we're changing a small steps. What would you recommend?
1: It's really hard for me to give advice because I I just started in the industry. So I wouldn't know, you know, a whole lot about that. But personally, for me, I think it's to connect with the women that matter in your life, have a connection with them, especially just people within your family tree, like your mom your grandma, your aunt, anyone, and have a conversation with them. I think in order to be successful, not just in music, in life, it's important to have conversations and tough conversations with all the women that are important to you and see what concerns them, what have they gone through, even if it's not the same industry. Like my mom, she works in telecom, and my whole family has a big tradition in telecom. Like their struggles are different, but after having a conversation with her for a while, I feel like it's all the same it's all like discrimination. It's all like the opportunities are not there. It's like, you know, she has to take time off to take care of the kids. And now after having three kids, she can't be at the same position she was when she was younger and when she, you know, just had herself and she was young. And so I feel like those issues are still the same issues nowadays. And it will forever be because, you know, we're all women and For me, I would love to have kids one day. So that's something that's always at the back of my mind. Like how do we navigate this industry? How do we navigate life and being a woman while still being our professional selves while still following our dreams? So it's really being in contact with the women in your life. And it could also just be like anyone that you randomly meet on the street, but you're really inspired by connect with them and try to learn more about them, be open, not just for networking purposes, right? Network with people so that your heart is open and that you you know, you have a proper purpose and a mission in life when you're living it, I think. That's how I would say.
0: Well, that's that's really nice. Uh well I just wanna thank you. This was such a beautiful conversation. Thank you so much, Laura, for coming and be open to have a conversation with us to our twenties community. And yeah, like I think we all take something from this episode, especially now that it's women's month. I feel there's so much things to reflect. I hope it was not just this month, guys, that it's every single day because there's so many things to work on. Uh, But yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you guys so much
1: for listening. And thank you, Laura. Like she's one of the most inspiring people on campus. Like every day I see her and I'm like, what a badass mom, what a badass person. And just overall inspiring. So I wish, you know, you all find someone as inspiring as Laura to look up to and just listen to people's experiences. But hope you guys have a great day and celebrate, you know, everyone in your life. Thank you guys for listening.